Welcome back to Husker Sports Weekly, your soon-to-be number one source for all things Husker Sports. My name is Connor Clark, and be sure to catch every episode of Husker Sports Weekly on Spotify and Anchor.fm. And some breaking news came out today, Wednesday, August 5th. The Big Ten announced the football schedule for all 14 conference teams, and we are here to break down the Huskers' schedule. And to help me do that today is a very special guest. He's been on the show before. He works at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln and is one of the biggest not only Husker fans, but college football fans you'll meet. Alex Fernando is back on the show. How are you doing? Oh, Connor, thank you so much for having me back. I'm just excited to talk about football. I, I've been nervous that I haven't that I wasn't going to get this opportunity um, just in life. Like I I thought football was going to be canceled this year. I'm still a little skeptical on how far they'll make it in the season. Um, But I'm really hoping, I'm really hoping they prove me wrong. Honestly, I give college football a month um, before having to shut down in, in full, full honesty. I really hope I'm wrong. I really hope that they can figure out how to play safely this year. Um, I like the move to have just the conference games. I think that's smart. Um, and also it makes the schedule really, really important. And that's kind of what we're here to talk about today. Uh, I watched the live uh, breakthrough. I was t- just talking to you about They um, posted it live on Twitter and we're talking about it um, on their live live feed and live video on Twitter. And I know you were still asleep, but I, I was up bright and early just ready to watch this. So um, we got... We got Husker football and we got college football coming this fall. So it's a good day. Yeah, it's going to be great. I mean, that was certainly a great thing to wake up to today, seeing the Big Ten announcing its schedule. Um, So just some quick facts about the new and improved schedule, if you will. So September 5th will be week one for all teams. Um, The first game will be Illinois versus Ohio State that Thursday, um, the week of September 5th. Uh, The Huskers open at Rutgers on September 5th. And then each team gets two bye weeks this year instead of one. And the week of November 28th, which would usually be rivalry weekend, that Thanksgiving weekend, um, will be used as an open week for any makeup games that would need to be pushed back due to coronavirus concerns and all of that jazz. Um, As well as the Big Ten Championship, it would be originally um, on December 5th, but it could also be moved to December 19th if needed as well in case there is an outbreak in one of the teams. Um, going into that game so some really good flexibility happening here with this new schedule I really like the two bye week thing going on because it really makes it feel more of a realistic schedule it's starting early September and it's ending in December with the Big Ten championship game so it reflects a lot of what a normal college football season would look like and as you said each game is that much more important it's almost like baseball with the reduced amount of games I mean this is Big Ten football you have you, you thought you had no days off before. You have zero days off this time around. It is going to be crazy. You are totally right, Connor. And I, I agree. I am a big fan of the two bye weeks. Um, I was listening to them talk about the flexibility they built into this schedule. And actually, if you pay attention to it, teams that play each other in week three and week four all have the same bye week. That way, if one of those two weeks are the cause of the issues because that's that's about a month when a month into the season when students are already are all back on campus and all classes are kind of going for most of these schools so about a month in is when they're expecting hey here's a possible spike and they built that uh protocol into the schedule and i thought that was brilliant because you have all of these teams that are going to again play each other in weeks three and four but they all have the same bye weeks just in case one or the other 
has COVID or one of the other has to shut down, then they can reschedule that for week seven or move it down to a later date. So I thought that was really uh, brilliant ingenuity. Um, I'm really excited to see a full conference schedule. Um, I love non-conference games. I like I like the tune-up games. I like some of the bigger, like Nebraska had Cincinnati on the ticket uh, this year, and they're back-to-back 11-win seasons. I was really looking forward to seeing their quarterback, uh, great dual-threat athlete, and Luke Fickle has a great program there. So I was looking forward to those non-conference games. But, I mean, this, like you said, you have no days off. You bring the hammer right away when it comes to Big Ten football. Um, and... Every game really, really matters in this conference uh, on a regular season. Now you just amplify that because you're only playing conference games. So everybody is really going to have similar records by the end of it. And some of those key head-to-head wins are going to be very important when it comes to the end of the season and those tiebreaker games on who could go to the championship and who wouldn't. Yeah, and I mean, it's going to be a tough schedule for every single team in the Big Ten. Just kind of looking at the uh, schedule here, I mean, Nebraska's got some pretty tough games um, ahead of them. And we'll run through the schedule real quick here. So week one, they go to Rutgers, then they host Illinois week two, host Wisconsin week three, go to Iowa week four. Week five, they host Minnesota. Week six, go to Ohio State. Week seven is a bye. Week eight is at Northwestern. Week nine is at home versus Penn State, which would have been a big game they would have had regardless. Uh, Week 10 is another bye week. Week 11 is at Purdue. And then week 12 is at home versus Michigan State. So we'll wrap up the regular season at home against the Spartans. So a little bit of a different look, but a lot of similar opponents that Nebraska would have had um, in the normal season that was scheduled in earlier this year um, in the early spring. But Nebraska, they start off with two more favorable games. I know Illinois made a bowl game last year, but if Scott Frost really wants to take that next step with Nebraska without with failing to reach a bowl game the first two years, those two have to be wins. And I've been talking about this with uh, fellow students who are also coming into Nebraska this year as freshmen, and I brought this point up to them as well, and I want to know how you feel about this too. If Nebraska... Nebraska has five, in my opinion, winnable games on this schedule. I think they can beat Rutgers, Illinois, Northwestern, Purdue, and Michigan State. I think they can win those five games. They may not all be easy, but they're all very winnable games, in my opinion. But if Scott Frost really wants to take the next step with with Nebraska, excuse me, he needs to beat either Wisconsin, Iowa, Minnesota, Ohio State, or Penn State. He needs to go six and four if he really wants to take that next step with Nebraska. I think it's necessary. Um, even if the Huskers finish 5-5, five and five, that's fine. I mean, that's a 500 record. In this, this year, it'll qualify for a bowl game. But I think it's almost necessary to win one of those five games and say, hey, Big Ten, we're finally here. We're back playing pretty good football here in Lincoln, so you better watch out for us down the road. No, I, I completely agree. Uh, I've been... A bit critical at times uh, the last couple seasons with Scott Frost. And I, I give him some pass because it's the first two seasons. But last year, there were definitely some winnable games that were lost. And that played a huge role into the end of the season when it came down to Iowa with the um, walk-off field goal for the second year in a row against Scott Frost and the team. So that's, that's one thing that's really frustrating. Because you also see, like last year, when there was so much hype, 
Nebraska, you're like, wow, this is a team everybody thought was going to compete in the Big Ten. Um, I was a little skeptical on how ready they were and kind of showed later on in the season. Um, th- there's a lot of youth on that team. They're bringing back a lot of that youth and that, a lot of that experience now, which is good, and that's going to be important. But you got a heavy, heavy load after those first two games. You have your three toughest opponents in your division back-to-back-to-back in your first five weeks. And luckily two of them are at home. But, I mean, we haven't beaten – Nebraska hasn't beaten Wisconsin since 2012. I was in person for that game. That's the last time we beat Wisconsin. And Iowa, again, has two back-to-back walk-off field goals. Minnesota just completely pounded us on the ground game this year, and everybody's like, oh, they're not going to be as good because they lost Tyler Johnson and Rasad Bateman. Minnesota put us put up almost 400 yards rushing against Nebraska. It wasn't Rashad Bateman and Tyler Johnson that were the issue. It was their three-headed running monster. So that's something that concerns me is just because of how front-heavy uh, those games are for Nebraska. Like It could easily, easily go to two and seven. Uh, or two and two and four really quick. Uh, I mean, with those first six, seven games, and I I agree. I think there's some really winnable games. Rutgers is, if you're gonna ask for an opener, that's what you would want in the Big Ten. <laughs> Se- separate of the location, I am a little bit concerned. Um, I and I I know the Big Ten worked really hard on this, but immediately the first critical point I had when I saw this. I saw Nebraska open with Rutgers, and I'm like, you took the two farthest teams and made them travel to each other. Yeah. Like, you, your point was to limit the exceeding amounts of travel. And I know you have to do what you have to do because it's just the conference and Rutgers is there and Nebraska's there and they're just in opposite corners. But I'm just like, man, that would, that's just like, that just counterpredicts or counterproducts what you're, what you were initially going for with the schedule. Um, but again, I think both Rutgers and Illinois are winnable. Illinois gave Nebraska a big run for the money in Champaign last year. And being at home, I think, will help. Uh, Rutgers don't – I mean, they got Greg Schiano back at coach. They have a former Husker quarterback on their roster now. And I'm not saying Noah Vedro would do this, but what's to say he can't just put on the defensive coordinator headset for a game and be like, hey, guys, here's their audibles, <laughs> here's their play calls, just so you know. Um, and I, again, I'm not saying anything like that's going to happen, but wow, that's that's not as easy of an opener as you might think when you get into the weeds of it. Um, I agree, Wisconsin, Iowa, Minnesota. If Nebraska wants to compete in the Big Ten, even for a division title, you got to win two of those. To make a statement, you got to start winning one of those a year. Um, at least this year, you got to win one of them this year. You got to start winning two of those a year. Eventually, get to three of them if you really want to be competing on the level that Scott Frost and company do. Um, Ohio State, we know how that one's going to go. I don't I don't even want to talk about that game, honestly. Um, the back half of the schedule is what's interesting. Northwestern, home for Penn State, at Purdue, and home for Michigan State. Um, you're right. I think there's probably three winnable games, but you got to remember, Scott Frost has yet to beat Purdue. And last year, Nebraska lost to a very injured Purdue with their third-string quarterback and without All-American wide receiver Rondell Moore. Michigan State is never a slouch, and that's always a tough game. Both Northwestern and Michigan State always play Nebraska tight. Those are always just grinded out, like, fourth-quarter, last-minute drive games. And Northwestern, honestly, I think would have won last year. Nebraska got a walk-off field goal, which was great. 
but there was a pretty obvious missed pass interference that stopped oh, yeah. uh, Northwestern's drive with the interception, and they were driving down the field pretty well. So you don't really know. And Northwestern, again, that, that game's always a toss-up. It's a great rivalry with Nebraska because Pat Fitzgerald has such a well-coached team, and I doubt their freshman quarterback is going to act like a freshman quarterback in his sophomore season. Um, so I, he, you're going to have... You're going to have an experienced Nebraska team, which is good, but these other teams got experience as well. And I think uh, the lack of practice probably hurt Nebraska a bit more than some of these other teams in the spring, just because Nebraska was looking to fill so many new holes and was looking to try out so many different positions and players in so many different areas. And so that's something that concerns me is like some of these other teams – no, they didn't get to do spring practice. They didn't get to do spring ball as well. But they have a lot of experience coming back. Nebraska has some, but there's going to be a lot of young talent and inexperienced talent out there. Uh, you look at Omar Manning, obviously a lot of hype around him, but he hasn't played a down of football in Nebraska. It's a little bit different when you're in that stadium and when you're in the Big Ten especially. Uh, there's some very difficult defenses you got to go up against in the Big Ten. And you're without J.D. Spielman now. You are uh, without a third-string quarterback. So, and I mean, that's not the biggest worry, but in COVID times, you can't have Luke McCaffrey and Adrian Martinez within six feet of each other for the next six months. Because if one of them gets sick and then they're near each other and the other gets sick, if you're you're Nebraska football, why would you play that game? Why would you burn a redshirt season for Logan Smothers and put him out there when – you got Wisconsin, if, like by week three, if we are down two quarterbacks to COVID, why would we want to run out against Wisconsin and play that game if I'm Nebraska? Like, what is the reasoning behind that? Other than like just good experience uh, experience for your players, yeah, but that's not going to, uh, I don't know, that just doesn't look good to me if uh, you have issues like that. And that's, I mean, that's a totally different game when it comes to COVID and there's totally different issues. I know we're just kind of discussing the schedule, but again, I like this schedule a lot. I am really impressed with the flexibility options and again, the bye weeks to make sure that we can move around games if needed in the big 10. Um, on the, on the like win or lose side for Nebraska, you're right to make a statement. They got to go six and four at, at the best. Uh, or at the, sorry, at the least. Um, the best, obviously, you got to run the table and like just blow everybody away for for no <laughs> reason. Like just come out of nowhere in COVID season. But to really make a statement, you got to win a big game. You got to win um, Penn State at home. You got to win a Wisconsin or Minnesota at home. Um, and an, an Iowa on the road and Ohio State on the road would be amazing. Now Iowa on the road is definitely a, a chance. That game is always tight. Again, two walk off field goals by Iowa in the last two years. So that game is a toss up. And those are those are key wins that Nebraska can utilize to get to that bowl eligibility that's eluded them the last couple seasons. Yeah, and in that tough five game stretch that didn't fall into the winnable games category, the you would rather beat. I mean, I feel like you almost have to beat a divisional opponent. You have to either beat Wisconsin, Iowa, or Minnesota because that's oh, going to sure. chances more getting to a Big Ten championship game for sure than beating Ohio State or Penn State. Yeah, those wins would be excellent. I mean, Ohio State and Penn State are both the top two contenders right now in the East, um, unless you count Michigan in there as well as a top three. Um, 
But yeah, I feel like the pri- you you prioritize Wisconsin, Iowa, and Minnesota, and two as you mentioned, two of the three of those are at home. Now there will be no fans, but no traveling. No, you don't have to go. You don't have to jump through those hoops to go to Wisconsin to go to Minnesota. So you're on your home turf there. You don't have to worry about that. Um, and it's just it's it's a better situation for Nebraska um, as a whole. I feel like. In Scott Frost's first two years, I mean, they really haven't been great anywhere. Like, they haven't had a winning season. They haven't been that great at home. They haven't been great on the road, as I know you've pointed out many, many times. They've not <laughs> been good on the road. And going back to those, you, you got to beat Purdue. you got to beat Northwestern. I mean, yeah, there, like the there Northwestern are divisional opponents is... that There are divisional opponents that are good teams that Nebraska – is more than capable of beating or has played in games really tightly. And again, I'm not saying Purdue and Northwestern are slouches by any means. They have great coaches, they have great programs, and they've done really well the last few seasons. I mean, Northwestern was a a division title winner just a couple seasons ago. But their games Nebraska should win year in and year out if they're going to be one of those top contenders in the Big Ten West because you're looking at Wisconsin. Minnesota now is one of the top threats in the West. And then Iowa's always consistent. Iowa's going to give an eight or nine win season almost every single year. Maybe once in a while they'll drop down to a seven and five year on a, um, I guess in this season it might be seven and three or six and four because of that. But um, Iowa's going to be a very consistent team. So you have three just really solid teams at the top. Wisconsin obviously kind of leading the way with the last few years, but Nebraska has to be able to start beating one of those in a season, two of those in a season. If you want to win the division outright, three of those in a season and not have to go to tiebreakers, things like that. Um, that Those division games are key. And I'm glad that two of those are home for the heavy hitters with Wisconsin and Minnesota. That's going to help Nebraska. It's going to help being Lincoln. Um, we'll see if there's fans. I know it's still kind of up in the air, even if there's a partial stadium and things like that. Uh but just, I mean, playing at home, it's a different atmosphere, no matter where, whether there's fans or not. Just being where you're familiar with, you're ready to go. Uh, and I gl- I'm really glad that Nebraska has their uh, division opponents there. there. That's a tough stretch of games. you got to win one of them if you're Scott Frost in Nebraska. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad that you brought up the Northwestern point of them being a divisional champion uh, in 2018. I mean... Nebraska should take the approach that they did because as someone who watched that Northwestern team all throughout the season and was rooting for them, they kept it very simple. Because keep in mind, this was an 8-4 and four Northwestern team that made it to this Big Ten championship. They, they had a simple goal, win every single game in the West Division. Don't make it too big time. You don't have to beat everyone, but you've got to beat these teams. I mean, they played Notre Dame. They didn't beat them. They played some other really good teams from the East. They did not beat them. They Probably should have beat Michigan, but I won't yep. talk about that. I remember but watching that game. <laughs> that was brutal. But they did what they had to do, and then in that it looked like there for a little bit in that championship game they were going to give Ohio State a run for their money, and then Dwayne Haskins yep. showed why he's Dwayne Haskins. But North Northwestern took that approach. I don't see why Nebraska and Scott Frost cannot take that approach. I mean, I feel like him and Fitzgerald could be somewhat similar coaching-wise. They both played in similar eras um, at two Big Ten schools. So I know Nebraska wasn't in the Big Ten when Scott Frost was there. But they could take a very similar approach. I think it would be good for them. 
and I mean, you beat was all of a sudden you beat Iowa and Minnesota, so you win two out of those three. All of a sudden you beat those two, and Wisconsin drops one that they shouldn't have to say Illinois again. Like you're you're right back in it. So winning those divisional games are so so important. And obviously, if you can beat Wisconsin, that's one kind of giant out of the way because oh, you know for sure. they're probably going to be in first place for sure. when it's I mean, all said and done. Anytime you're in the Big Ten, the cross-conference matters, any conference game matters, but the ones in your division are by far the most important. And that's true for any conference, but the Big Ten is special because you have so many teams that are just always in the mix, and they're always a game or two out, and any season could flip that. There's always some upset, like you said, with Illinois upsetting Wisconsin the other year, and you have Purdue upsetting Ohio State. To drop them down. You have all of these little random hits that take down the top dogs where those middle teams or those top middle teams really need to capitalize. That doesn't happen quite as much in some of the other conferences because there's some teams that are just far and above everybody else. The ACC is a great example. Nobody is touching Clemson. Nobody in that yes, division exactly. is any nobody in that division is anywhere close to Clemson. And then the other part of the ACC, the ACC Coastal has had seven different division winners in the last 7 years. So that's I mean that's just crazy. The Big 10, there's a couple teams that are always at the top and there's some slip-ups. And that's why you see so many teams right on the edge and those head-to-head division games matter just enormously in the Big Ten Conference. Well, and speaking of slip-up opportunities, Ohio State's got to go back to West Lafayette for the first time since that absolute blowout of the number two-ranked Buckeyes that one time. So it's not November this time. I know it's better in November uh, in West Lafayette, but oh, yeah, they no. still we- have to go West there. Lafayette in November is honestly one of my most terrifying venues as a college football fan. Like Purdue just does it right in November. I, I don't know what it is. Um, looking at yeah, if you look at over at the Big Ten East, um, you have them again. The main leaders you got Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan are probably the top three. Michigan State you don't really know kind of how they're gonna um, be this year with a new coach, and th- there's just a lot there for Michigan State. But Penn State and Ohio State definitely the heavy favorites in my opinion. I think. Michigan still has a ways to go, but look at let's let's start with Ohio State and Penn State. Pretty easy the first couple games for those two comparatively. Um, Illinois and Rutgers for Ohio State, and then Northwestern and Indiana for Penn State. Both Indiana and Northwestern on the rise. Uh, Indiana fought and had a great season last year with eight wins, so definitely not a team to sleep on. But winnable games for Ohio State and Penn State. Um, you bring in Michigan in the third week for Penn State. Ohio State honestly really isn't challenged until mid-October when they have Michigan State and Michigan. That's when their scheduling gets tough because Ohio State, much like Wisconsin, gets to avoid a lot of the big hitters from the other side. Ohio State does not have to play Minnesota this year. Ohio State does not have to play Wisconsin this year. Wisconsin on the other side, they don't have to play Penn State or Ohio State in the Big Ten or West. So that's where that division game against Nebraska and Iowa and Minnesota really are important for Wisconsin because those are their only threats. Michigan maybe because it's on the road, but and Northwestern's on the road, but that's second week, so it's that's going to be early. Teams are still figuring out. But 
Minnesota's at home for Wisconsin. They have to go to Nebraska to Iowa. That's that's the biggest threat for Wisconsin. For Iowa, Minnesota, Nebraska, Wisconsin you have to take down because they're not going to get losses from that cross divisional game. You can't you can't expect Michigan, Rutgers, and Maryland and Indiana to take down Wisconsin on a regular basis. So you're going to hope for an upset out of one of those, but for the most part, Wisconsin's probably going to handle those games. And much like Ohio State, you're not going to expect Illinois, Purdue, Nebraska, and Iowa to be sure to take down Ohio State for you. Again, one or two of them maybe get a big week and get an upset, but if you're Penn State, you really have to win uh, your games as well because they also have a little bit of favorable favorable schedule. Michigan is the team that gets shorted. They're, they get Wisconsin. They get Michigan State at home, but they're at Ohio State in the middle of the season. They do get Penn State at home, but they, they have to go cross-conference with Minnesota. They have to go cross-conference with Northwestern at the end of the season. And if you're Michigan trying to break into that top of the Big Ten East and finally win the division for Jim Harbaugh, you really need to hone in on those division games because Ohio State and Penn State are not going to slip up in the cross-divisional games very easily. Yeah, and going back to Penn State, something that actually intrigues me is that Week 2 game at Indiana. I know Indiana just lost their quarterback, but you mentioned they're coming off of a pretty successful season in recent memory for Indiana football, so that could be a little bit of a slip-up game. Obviously, Penn State is a very good football team year in and year out, but it could be interesting to see what happens there. And as far as Michigan goes, they were kind of dealt a crappy hand here by the Big Ten. I mean, as you mentioned, they play Minnesota, they play Wisconsin, and trust me, I am all against Michigan. I'm like everybody else in the Big Ten. We don't like Michigan. But just looking at their schedule here, they, they play two of the better teams in the West. They play Penn State. They go to Ohio State. They play Indiana. They play Northwestern at the end of the year, which could ultimately be a slip-up game. They play Purdue to start. And speaking of that, I'll much rather take the Rutgers opener for Northwestern or for Nebraska. I don't know why I keep saying Northwestern, but it's all my years of watching them. But I'll take the Rutgers opener for Nebraska way over the Purdue opener oh, by that we far. were going to I, have. So with our with Nebraska's original schedule, um, I honestly predicted Nebraska at five wins. Maybe like six if six was obviously needed in all this, but I was having them at four or five wins because of the way the schedule set up and that home opener with Purdue, everybody's like, Oh, it's Purdue. It's a home opener. We got this. I could not see that going well for Nebraska. Like I said, Scott Frost has yet to beat Purdue. And last year, Nebraska was at Purdue and lost to a very injured Purdue, a very undermanned Purdue that ended up winning with their third string quarterback in the fourth quarter. Cause we injured their second string quarterback who had been torching Nebraska's defense and they didn't Absolutely. have their All-American receiver, Rondell Moore. This is a healthy Purdue now. And luckily, Nebraska has them late in the year. So maybe, I mean, I don't want players to get injured by any means. But maybe Nebraska won't have to deal with Rondell Moore or something like that if they get to um, that far in the season. But yeah, Purdue is a much diff- much more difficult opener than Rutgers for Nebraska. So I'm, I am glad to see Nebraska opening with Rutgers. A little nervous about sending the Huskers on the road. Uh, Michigan starting with Purdue though that's gonna that's gonna be a more difficult opener than people might think yeah and going back to that Purdue game last year for Nebraska as well yes you 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 have to give Purdue credit they did play a hell of a game for having 
all the injuries. Oh, no, yeah, did. all credit to Purdue for sure. But Nebraska should not lose that game. Scott Frost should well, no. be, pre- be prepared and, for that. And in multiple occasions in that game, they shot themselves in the foot. They got that pick that got down to the two-yard line, may I add. The two-yard line, and we got a field goal out of it. And Martinez threw, threw a pick later in the game in the red zone as well, which was nearing halftime. So that was also another costly turnover. So those were two big ones. That was 14 points left on the board as far as I'm concerned. And that could have really put the game away. I believe Nebraska was up like 10-3 to when Martinez threw that pick. It could have been 17-3. to That's a whole different game. And you got all the momentum. You know they're injured. They're undermanned. You can really stomp on their throat here before halftime and really walk out of here with a, hey, look at us win. Like Big Ten media, look at us. Look what we're about to do. I guess they saved that all for that Maryland game when they beat them like 54-7 to or whatever. But it's just shoot, shooting themselves in the foot is just big, big-time mistakes. I mean, it happened in the Iowa game as well with that kickoff return for the touchdown right after they got right back in it. Yes, it was a it was a game-winning field goal game, but stuff like that. Same, well, thing same, with, same Wisconsin. with Wisconsin. Nebraska scores. Uh, they're within th- uh, three or seven, one of the two, and then immediately on the kickoff, Wisconsin runs it back. Um, that was the special teams was a big Achilles heel for the Huskers last year. I'm anxious to see what changes have been made for this coming season. Anxious to uh, kind of hear the rumors that are fall camp and what's going on. But ultimately, college football is going to be such a weird and bizarre year just because there's no, I mean, there's no clue to what some of these teams are going to be like. When in previous years you have a lot more work in the summary of a lot, you have the spring ball to kind of go off, which isn't a ton, but it's more information than we have this year. And so this year, week one, and I, I'm anxious to see again with other conferences too, um, because of their like they so a lot of the other conferences are waiting till the end of September, and that's one thing I really loved about the Big Ten is they took their time and really planned this out and planned for that flexibility and planned for things to go haywire and get screwed up. They planned for COVID to cause some issues, so they built in extra bye weeks to move those games around. Yeah, I mean, they, and it's big for the rest of college football, too, because all their conferences are going to see the Big Ten taking that step forward and seeing what they did. And as you said, building built in that schedule for expected outbreaks, or they're expecting things to go wrong here. So it could really move forward some other conferences. I know the ACC um, is kind of following in the footsteps with. Um, the Big Ten as well with that conference-only schedule as well as the Pac-12. The ACC was adding Notre Dame as well, and they came out with a schedule, so that was good. Um, I know the Pac-12 is a little more cautious because of the California schools, USC, UCLA, really close to Los Angeles, uh, which is not a great area in the country right now for cases and everything like that. Yeah, that's that's one a, thing I was a little nervous about. You send in Nebraska to – and just from a COVID public health standpoint – Nebraska, overall so far, case-wise, has been better than a lot of other areas in the nation. And you're sending them to one of the previous hotspots or one of the like more dense areas just on a, like, a strategic like national plan. It wouldn't make a lot of sense to send those who don't have much in their community to a higher area and then bring it back more. Granted, again, COVID's going to go everywhere, it seems like, because of the different... Uh, just the way people are handling it, unfortunately. And I'm glad it hasn't fully killed football season yet. I'm still 
waiting to see if it if the axe drops a little later this year. But I hope we can get through the season. I I'm glad to see that they're preparing college football. I'm anxious to see the steps for player safety next. That's going to be the big thing. The schedule is one thing. Player safety is going to be a totally different animal. Yeah, and I was honestly surprised that it took this long for Northwestern to shut down practices, being from Evanston, which is a 15-minute drive from the city of Chicago, which is also not a great area for coronavirus cases because of the 2.5 million people that live there. It's a it's a lot larger than Lincoln, Nebraska is, and so it's a it's a big market for you know all of this, all of this. But then once a global pandemic comes around, a lot of people are going to get it in that area. So luckily, it was uh, only a couple of people I think tested positive. Maybe it was just one player that tested positive on Northwestern's football team. So they're going to shut down practices for a couple of weeks here. Hopefully, that does not happen to any other Big Ten teams from here on out. Um, obviously that's the ideal situation. We have no idea if that'll happen or not because of how rapidly this thing spreads. Um, but I mean, player safety, as you said, is going to be a big thing. I mean, we've seen that, uh, in the PAC 12 with that players union, um, or that group of players that came up with that statement. I believe the big 10, a couple of big 10 players actually came out with a statement today about player safety as well. Um, just kind of with demands for certain things, making sure they're safe. And obviously, some players are like, hey, we're college student athletes. We shouldn't have to play during a global pandemic, which is a completely fair point. And it's it's just a balance of keeping these 18 to 22-year-olds safe and getting that school's revenue that they absolutely need because some of these schools like really need this this money. Yeah, to make no, there, there are definitely programs that could easily fold and fall apart without the revenue from football. Um, in the 2020 season, and which is which is scary, and for their for their respective schools and the universities, it's uh, it's really difficult to imagine that. So it's it's going to be a very interesting year. Um, I want to jump back just to a lighter note and get your opinion on this. Uh, on the Big Ten schedule, is there a team that you think could just sneak out of nowhere and challenge uh, for a title, challenge and win a division out of nowhere that you wouldn't think? Um, they're maybe not the favorite coming in, but out of nowhere, you might might be surprised. Um, so yeah, that's a good question because all of these teams that I'm looking at here that would normally not win the division, most of them have pretty kind of brutal starts to the season. I mean, you look at Maryland, the first two weeks are Iowa and Michigan State. Illinois is Ohio State and then Nebraska, which could be a tough game. They haven't played well against Nebraska in the recent years. Uh, you look at Purdue, they go to Michigan, then Iowa, then Ohio State. So it's all these teams that would not normally be in the conversation are off to a tougher start. If I had to bet money on a smaller team to contend for a division title, I would I would put it on Purdue. Because when Purdue is healthy, we know what they can do. They've destroyed good teams in the past. Rondell Moore is just absolutely unstoppable when he's healthy. And if they can get him the ball and they can stay healthy through the course of the entire season, and if they can make it out of that first three-game stretch, one and two, then they got Illinois, which is a team that they could beat, and then they got that bye week. Then they play Wisconsin, Rutgers, Minnesota, Northwestern, another bye week, and then they finish up with Nebraska and Indiana. And, I mean, Purdue's 2-0 and against Nebraska in the Scott Frost era. They could beat Indiana if they really wanted to. They could beat Northwestern if they really wanted to. They could probably contend with Minnesota if they wanted to. They'll beat Rutgers, I'm pretty sure, if 
they really wanted to. So they're they're probably my dark dark horse team um, to contend for a West Division title. Looking at their schedule, realistically, they probably go four and six, five and five, maybe. But that would be the team I would put money on. Sure. No, produce a, produce a good pick. I do like their schedule, and I mean, you mentioned even if they're if they lose Michigan and Ohio State, but they beat Iowa, that's that division win. They'll and they yeah. come out two and two from that first four games. That's two division wins. They got to get through Wisconsin, Minnesota. Like I said, the division wins are going to be key because a lot of teams are going to be sitting at like. Six and four, seven and three, five and five. That range, a lot of teams are going to be there, and those division wins are going to be absolutely key. My dark horse, um, and I know they won a few years ago, and I hate saying this, but unfortunately, I think it's Iowa. Um, they they have a really favorable front half of the schedule. Uh, they have Minnesota on the road and Purdue on the road in their first three games, but start with Maryland at home. They're home for Nebraska Northwestern. On the road to Illinois, not going to be too bad. They have a bye in the middle. And then the last four are the tricky ones. Penn State on the road, Michigan State, Wisconsin at home with a bye in between, and then Ohio State to finish on the road. But again, those division wins. All their division opponents, other than Wisconsin, are in the front half of the season. So if I was healthy in that front half of the season and they compete against Minnesota, they compete and beat Purdue, on if they can win... If they can win one of those two road games, let alone both of them, they'll be in the driver's seat in the Big Ten West because Wisconsin has to open with three road games in their first six, um, and that's that's just a lot. That's in the in the first few few weeks of the season, you're bouncing back and forth. Usually, you get to sit at home for a couple weeks in the first beginning parts of the season, and Wisconsin doesn't get that luxury. And yeah, they have again a lighter schedule compared to most in the West. But Iowa is always a consistent team, and they have a favorable schedule to, again, at least on the division side, have zero or one loss when they get into that Wisconsin game. Uh, they might have three, two or three losses overall, but that Wisconsin game is going to probably be one of the deciding factors later on in the season just because, again, Iowa's going to win a lot of their division games. Yeah, and that's a good pick because looking at Iowa's schedule here, they do have to go on the road to Purdue and at Minnesota, but just from Iowa of the past, and I know they haven't been picked to be as good as they have been this year, they could start 6-0 and going to that bye week. Maybe they'll lose to Minnesota. That's a 5-1 and going into that bye week. So that is a, it's a very good pick. The front half of the schedule can uh, really set Iowa up well in the second half of the season, and I really hate saying that. Because Nebraska's in that front half too, but as um, they're, they're, honestly, they they could be a team to watch in the Big Ten West this year. Yeah, and going back to the Purdue, the Purdue dark horse pick, I don't trust them as much as I trust Iowa to start well because Purdue always <laughs> has that one loss to that not so great team, a Group of Five team, maybe even less than that. But maybe starting straight off into the Big Ten schedule, maybe that'll change their minds to say, oh, we actually have to play for real now. Let's not drop these first couple of games. So, I mean, we've covered the majority of the Big Ten schedule for these 14 teams. It's going to be an interesting year in college football, let alone the Big Ten. So, I mean, any closing statements on what you expect to see from Nebraska this year? It's going to be tough. I mean, separate of COVID, separate of an all-conference schedule, 
Nebraska is not the most experienced team, especially in the Big Ten. And you have some experienced positions like quarterback, which is good. And you have an experienced running back now with Dedrick Mills. Um, you have some experienced secondary players, which is good. Um, a couple D linemen, but not a ton. Um, linebackers is very inexperienced. Linebackers are crucial in the Big Ten. And that's probably one of the most inexperienced group, position groups in Nebraska. Special teams was a big concern last year and still going to be a big concern this year because there's no experience there from back last year. And then last but not least, the offense, offensive line and the wide receiver group. Offensive line is kind of a mix, but still a lot of younger players. Um, so there's some decent experience because a lot of the younger players got a lot of playing time last year. The wide receiver group is what concerns me. You lose your senior and all-star with J.D. Spielman. You have the top recruits with, or like the hype recruits with Omar Manning and uh, Betts. And then you have Wando Robinson. But one of those guys goes down with an injury. One of those guys goes down with COVID. You're down to two receivers, two scholarship receivers. Outside of that, it's all walk-ons. And I'm not trying to bag on the walk-ons, but there's a reason you recruit scholarship athletes to your program. There's a reason you recruit scholarship athletes to play in the Big Ten Conference and that you're not just using walk-on players. So that's something that concerns me with Nebraska is that inexperience and just the the lack of depth at some very key positions needed in the Big Ten Conference. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see. I'm hoping Adrian Martinez is healthy and has a better year. Uh, I think this could be a year that he really – really needs to stand out more because he's not going to have all the weapons he used to have to rely on. It's going to be a lot more on his decision-making in this season. I am, um, I'm fully fully on board with his decision-making being kind of the make-or-break point of Nebraska football. All right, so there you have it. Hopefully Nebraska will come out at least 500. We'll, we'll be hoping for the best, maybe a 6-4 and four season, maybe. Maybe, if, he, if you're really feeling lucky this year with Scott Frost's year three. It's going to be an interesting one for not only Nebraska, but the rest of the country. And hopefully it'll happen. And if it does, I'm looking forward to seeing it. And I know you are as well, Alex. So thank you for coming on this episode. Uh, don't forget to check out Alex's podcast as well, The Second String, which covers college football as a whole, as well as the Huskers. And don't forget to check us out on Spotify and Anchor.fm. And um, hopefully we'll be moving into a better studio here in the next couple of weeks when uh, we finally get over to Lincoln with the rest of the incoming freshman class. So thank you all for tuning in to episode number nine of Husker Sports Weekly with Connor and Alex. And we will see you soon. And hopefully we'll have a full slate of Big Ten football. Go Big Red.